We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy. And realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping Yahweh our God. For he is our creator and we belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. Come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Come, bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name. For Yahweh is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving that it will amaze you, so kind that it will astound you, and he is famous for his faithfulness towards all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. Lift up a great shout of joy to Yahweh. Go ahead and do it, everyone, everywhere. Worship Yahweh with gladness. Sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means.
Good evening. Welcome to Victory Christian Fellowship and Wednesday night refreshing. So good to have you here as God's pouring out His presence. Uh, refreshing. Times of refreshing. Hallelujah. Father, we give you thanks and praise. You are refreshing us, Lord. You are strengthening us. Your refreshing is coming from your presence tonight. And we glorify and honor you, Lord, in Jesus' name. And we just give you all the praise. Amen. Let's worship the Lord together. All right, we're going to walk by faith.
Thank you for working out all things for our good. In the name of Jesus. Oh Lord, we honor your goodness tonight. We bless your goodness tonight. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your goodness. Oh Lord, we bless you. We praise you. We magnify you. We glorify your holy name. Oh, we bless you, Lord Jesus. We receive of your goodness tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord. Oh, 
you are worthy to be praised. Blessed be your name forevermore. And we thank you, Lord, that you are right here in our midst. And you're ready to do your will. And we just thank you, Lord, for speaking to us. I have put a well inside of you, springing up into eternal life. Drink of that well. Drink of that water. It's living water. It gives life to your soul, strength to your body, hope to your life, encouragement to you. So drink it in. Take it in. My life. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Amen, amen, amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Well, you may have your seats. Thank you, Signature Worship Team. Don't they do an amazing job? Praise God. Hallelujah. Good evening. Good to see you here. Here I am. I was picking up a pen. <laughs> and I didn't realize that I was down on the floor that I was behind here, then you couldn't see me. <laughs> Welcome to Wednesday night refreshing. We're already drinking living waters. <laughs> it's all bubbly. Feels good. God bless you. Do you know that God loves you so much? I know we we know that God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. But let's just pause and think about that. God so loved me. Me. You each say that? That's how much God loves you. He sent his son to the world. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah. So that's what I thought of when I saw your faces. How much God loves you. Yeah. So Wednesday night refreshing. It's good to be here together in the house of victory. Tomorrow is Thursday. We have the kids coming from the elementary schools for Bible adventure. And then this Friday is woven. Yay for the women. Woven is women of victory enjoying new life. The third Friday of the month. And we start at 6 o'clock. We have a meal, fellowship, and then a word from Dr. Fiona, who is returning tomorrow from her trip to Bless the Children Home. So she'll be here for Woven. And then one more announcement, our Inheritance Family Conference, happening October 27th and 28th. Friday night and Saturday. There's uh, postcards. There's sheets this size. You can pick up and take with you and spread the, spread the word. And you can sign up in the bookstore. Nice and easy. And that way we know how many people to prepare for. The Lord bless you. Someone say praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We serve a good God, don't we? 
Christianity is an adventure. It's certainly not boring. Wherever Jesus is, he's the life of the party. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, we got some awesome uh, kids in this place. So we're going to dismiss our kids and they're going to be taught the word. Amen. Hallelujah. Have an encounter with the Holy Ghost. Have a good class, kids. Be blessed. Hallelujah. Jesus is one size fits all, good for the ages, guaranteed never to wear out or diminish in power. Well, we are glad that you're here this evening. Hallelujah. And uh, I want to talk to you about uh, set apart for success. And uh, we're going to start in Matthew chapter 5. God wants to fill you and he wants to thrill you. So that you can fulfill his plan for your life. And in Matthew chapter 5, I just want you to look at verse 6. I just want to say a couple things about righteousness and then we're going to move to what it means to be consecrated. Because that's what it means to be set apart for God. You know, God sets you apart for something. He's got, he, he, he has created you for uh, good works before you were ever born. And uh, he's got some good things for you to do. So in Matthew chapter 5, verse 6, it says, Blessed are they which do two things, hunger and thirst after righteousness. They shall be filled. So the qualifications to be filled by God didn't say be filled to, to what? You know, there's no limit in God. He can, he can fill you, and, uh, but the only requirement is to hunger and thirst for what? Righteousness. How many are hungry for righteousness? You thirst for righteousness. Righteousness is what we become in Christ, and righteousness is how we live on the earth until Jesus comes. So righteousness is a gift of God, right? So we can, he says, blessed are they. Blessed means empowered to prosper. Say, I'm blessed, and I'm hungry, and I'm thirsty for righteousness. What do you do when you're hungry? You eat, right? And... uh you know, th- there's a physical hunger and then there's a spiritual hunger. So you've come here tonight because there's been a meal prepared for you. It's called bread from heaven. Amen? And tonight I'm the chef. <laughs> you know, God sets a, me- a-, a table before you in the presence of your enemies. He wants you to focus more on what's the table than what your enemy's doing. We got to be more focused on the goodness of God than the wickedness of the devil. Amen? 
listen, the devil is wicked. He always will be wicked, and there's no hope for salvation for him. And But God wants us to be righteous. We are the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Righteousness is a powerful thing. So, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst for righteousness. What happens when you hunger and thirst for righteousness? You get filled. Right? Filling is a byproduct of hunger and thirst. Where do you get righteousness? You get it from Jesus. To hunger means to desire earnestly, to crave ardently, and to seek with eager desire. We are in a pursuit of righteousness. We've been made righteous so we can walk in righteousness, but we're continually pursuing righteousness. What's right in God's sight? How many know God's sight is a little different than our sight? So righteousness is God's standard, his way of doing things, his way of living, right? And he doesn't lower his standard. He, he, he expects people to come up to him. Yes. Amen? And he's made it possible for us to come up. So to thirst, it means along the same lines, desire earnestly. It means uh, to eagerly long for those Things by which the soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. Hallelujah. How many want some support, strength, and uh, encouragement to your soul? Hallelujah. So to thirst is, is to long for those things that, uh, where your soul is refreshed, supported, and strengthened. That's what it means to thirst. And... To, fi- to be filled means to be satisfied. You know, God satisfies your mouth with good things. There's, you know, if you're looking for something to satisfy you in this world, you're never going to find it because only Jesus can satisfy you. He is fully satisfying. All right, I want you to go to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, and then look at verse 33. So when you hunger and thirst for righteousness, what happens? You get filled, right? A desire for things that are right, a desire uh, for righteousness, a longing for righteousness, it, it causes you to be filled, okay? God fills you. You, you. you long for what he has, and he fills you, right? And, uh, you know... Ephesians tells us that we can be filled with all the fullness of God. Hallelujah. All right, then Matthew 6.33. The Bible says, Seek first, not second, not third, not fourth, but seek first the kingdom of God and his what? Righteousness. So you have to make righteousness a top priority. And all these things shall be added unto you. And he talks about things, food, clothing, shelter, all right, things that you need for life. Amen? So when you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, things get added to you. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness, you get filled. So 
Anytime that we pursue righteousness, we're going to increase in some way. We're either going to be filled or things are going to be added to us. Right? Righteousness is like a magnet for goodness. Righteousness attracts and activates goodness. We sang about goodness. Amen? And when we walk in righteousness, it stirs up God's heart to pour out his goodness upon us. Hallelujah. So God meets our righteousness with his goodness because he made us righteous. We can't be righteous apart from him. Abraham became righteous because he believed God. So to become righteous, all you do is you believe God. You believe what he said. You believe in who he is. He's the son of God. He's the Messiah. Amen. And you become righteous. So now that you become righteous, we got to walk in righteousness. So righteousness is a daily, uh, I don't want to say duty, it's a daily privilege. You can be filled every day with God by walking in righteousness. Because you're seeking righteousness. People in the world are seeking evil. But God's people need to be seeking righteousness. Amen? Hallelujah. So, uh, glory to God. So, God made us righteous, and righteousness is something that we can uh, hunger for and long for. And uh, part of righteousness is God has consecrated people for righteousness, for right things. So you've been consecrated by God, okay? That means that you've been, the, the word consecrate, consecration means the act of setting apart or dedicating something or someone for God's use. God set you apart for his use. How did he set you? He called you by name. And you answered the call. And you came and you accepted Jesus Christ as Lord because he's got a special purpose for you. He's got a special use for you. Amen? And God set you apart for that special use. Woo! You have been, have been set apart for God's use. How's God going to... God wants to use you to reach other people. In whatever you do. Whether you're working a job or uh, taking care of a home or driving a car or eating dinner somewhere, God wants you to reach people. And, and we reach people by uh, sharing God's word and by living God's word, right? So all of us have been set apart. We've been set aside for God's use and his use is to reach people and to build his kingdom. Amen? So consecration is the act of setting apart or dedicating something or someone for God's use. Christ consecrated himself in the truth. Everyone who puts their faith in Jesus is consecrated by his word, which is the truth. When something or someone is consecrated to God, it can't be used for any other thing other than God chooses. Amen? So God set you apart for his special purpose. 
his plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you a hope and a future. God set you apart to do his will. God set you apart so that you can be an ambassador for Christ. And you can, all of us have been given the ministry of reconciliation. Okay? Um, when you consecrate something, you devote or set something apart to the worship or service of God. Whew. You've been set apart to serve God. Amen? Amen. And uh, God set apart Levites as priests to serve him. Right? Uh, God consecrated people to serve him in the role of priest. God consecrates people to do worship. God consecrates people to pray. God consecrates people to witness. God consecrates people for everything that needs to be done in the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. You're not concreted, you're consecrated. (laughs) And um, sometimes when they won a battle, they would set aside the spoil to be consecrated for God. Uh, Just as an example, uh, pull up Exodus 13, verses 1 to 2. Exodus 13, verses 1 to 2. Then the Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Consecrate to me all the firstborn, whatever opens the womb among the children of Israel, both of man and of beast, is mine. So God had a special purpose for the firstborn, right? And he assigned them to receive a double portion. Now, Jesus, he's the firstborn from the dead, and he received a double portion, and we're joint heirs with him, so we get his double portion because we're joint heirs together. Because he is the firstborn. Amen? And whatever he gets, we get. All right? Uh, Moses consecrated all the instruments and tools of the tabernacle. Because they were set aside for special worship uh, practices. So he consecrated all the utensils, uh, the poles and the tents and and the the, the table and the candlestick, right? All those things, they were consecrated for God's special use. All right? They've been set aside. Hallelujah. And... uh, And everybody that was consecrated was anointed. So when God sets you apart, he anoints you for his special purpose. Hallelujah. When when God wanted a king, actually, it wasn't God's will for Israel to have a king. It was Israel's will because they wanted to be like other nations. But every time someone was in a position to serve God, they got anointed. Right? The king was anointed, the priest was anointed, and the prophet was anointed. Listen, you can't serve God without the anointing. You need the anointing. You need the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit to serve God. God wanted people to serve tables who were full of wisdom, full of the Word, and full of the Holy Ghost. Amen? God needs His people to be full of wisdom, full of the Holy Ghost, and full of the Word. And when you seek righteousness, you get filled. Right? 
Okay. Hallelujah. In, in, in Numbers uh, 32, you don't have to turn there, but Numbers 32 verses uh, 12 and 13, there was only two people that were consecrated to go into the promised land, Joshua and Caleb. Out of all the spies, two out of the 12 were consecrated to go in because the 10 failed. They didn't seek righteousness. They were seeking their own thing, and they didn't qualify to go in. But, but God said, except, except Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and the, the Kenizzite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. See, someone who seeks after righteousness is someone who wholly follows the Lord. Yes. Amen? Yes. How many are all in with the Lord? Listen, this is not a time to let up in righteousness. This is a time to increase in righteousness. We ought to become more right. Amen? And we can with God. Okay? Uh, in Joel 1.14, it says, Consecrate a fast. Call a sacred assembly. He set aside some time to seek God. That's a consecration. Okay? All right? Uh, go to uh, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verses 23 and 24. Hallelujah. 1 Thessalonians 5 verses 23 and 24. And the very God of peace sanctify you partly... Holy, that's with a W. And I pray that God, I pray God, your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, sanctification and consecration go together and God sanctifies us, right? He, he, sanctification and consecration go together and he sanctifies us so that our whole spirit, soul, and, and notice the, the order it's not body, soul, and spirit. Which comes first? Spirit. spirit. We got to be more spirit-minded. Spirit, soul, then the body. But before we were born again, that order was reversed. It was body, soul, and spirit. But now when Jesus comes into our heart, now it's spirit, soul, and body. Body gets last, spirit gets first. Yes. Amen? Because God designed us to live our lives inside out. What does that mean? That means you live, you let the spirit rule, not the flesh rule. Okay? Um, so, uh, when, and then they, uh, verse 24. Faithful is he that calls you who also will do it. Hallelujah. God is the one who does it. He is the one who's working in us to, to he, he gave us the gift of righteousness and he works in us to follow the righteous path, to do the right thing. At any given time, any given moment, any given day, we need to do the right thing. Okay? So what are the benefits? You know I'm into benefits. Benefits of consecration. Benefits of consecration. Um, consecration enhances hearing God's voice and receiving his direction. Would you rather eat off a dirty plate or a clean plate? 
Well, you know what? God likes a clean life. And the cleaner your life, the more you're able to hear his voice. So consecration enhances hearing God's voice and receiving his directions. How many has ever, who wear glasses, how many has ever had your glasses get all smudged up? Right? And it, it makes what you're looking at blurry. So what do you do? You clean those glasses and then you're like, oh, that's so much better. I can, I can see clearly now. Consecration, a commitment to consecration enables you to change and improve yourself. God is in the improvement business. He wants us to grow in the knowledge of God. Paul said, I strive for the mastery. I, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So a commitment to consecration means you're constantly improving, constantly changing. Amen? Why? Our goal is to be conformed to Christ. Okay? Jesus is, Jesus is our role model for a consecrated life. Holy, dedicated, and committed. When, when, when push came to shove, if I could say it that way, in the garden... Jesus said, if there, he prayed, if there's any other way, Father, let this cup pass from me. But then what did he say? Not my will, but yours be done. That's a prayer of consecration, dedication, and commitment. Jesus committed his life to do what God wanted him to do no matter what. No matter how much pressure was against him. No matter how many people criticized him. No matter how many people talked about him or came against him. He was going to do God's will and that's what he wants for us. Doing God's will is our highest goal and our highest priority. Because our our goal is to be like Christ. That's what it means to be Christian, right? Consecration requires daily preparation. Seeking God daily. Seeking God daily. Guess what? Tomorrow is another day. And you can't can't say, okay, okay, God, I sought you yesterday. I don't need to seek you today. No, you need to seek him every day. A type in the shadow is the manna that came from heaven. How often did they have to gather that manna? Every day. Except on the Sabbath. Then they had enough for two days. But every day, for six days, they had to go out and they had to collect that manna. What, what happens if they didn't collect it? They'd go hungry. Jesus is called our daily bread. We got to fellowship and talk with him and listen to him every day. That's what consecration does. Consecration defeats the devil. Woo, Hallelujah. When you live a consecrated life, you can't touch this. <laughs> Did you know righteousness protects you from the enemy? Consecrated life defeats the devil. Consecration makes you sensitive to the work of the Holy Spirit. 
You know, everything that comes from Jesus is pure. He's into pure. Desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And he is a purifier, right? When something isn't, when something stinks, stinks in our life, Jesus can purify us with either fire, soap, or water. <laughs> Amen? He's a refiner's fire or launderer's soap, and he washes us with the water of his word. Consecration keeps your conscience clean. Keeps your conscience clean. You know, order promotes pleasure. If, if you walk into a mess, there's chaos. But if you walk into order, there's pleasure. Ah, Amen? Order creates pleasure. So consecration keeps your conscience clean. Say that fast ten times. Consecration dives deep into studying God's word and makes time with God a priority. You know, God never misses an appointment. And when we set up an appointment with God, he shows up even if we don't. You know, uh, when Moses built a tent in the wilderness, it was called the tabernacle. It was called the tent of meeting. It was there every day that he met with God. And if you're going to lead two to three million people, you better be having daily meetings with God. <laughs> Amen? So it's a type and a shadow for us. Consecration causes you to be accountable with your time and money. Oh. You know, God's into accountability. He, he's into a clean slate. He's into an open book. Amen? We ought to live in a way where we don't have anything to hide. Because the devil operates in darkness and deception. He hides in the shadows. He puts a disguise on himself. Because if you really saw who he, who he really is, you'd say, this is the man who deceived nations? This is him? And that's what I, I think it's Isaiah or Ezekiel talks about when he's exposed. The world's going to say, this is him who deceived the nations? That scrawny little... fill in the blank so if if you're going to live a consecrated life you've got to have time with God you don't want to be like looking into the mirror and then walk away and forget what you what you look like that's what James talks about you got to look into the perfect law of liberty amen and receive the engrafted word of God which is able to save your soul uh, consecration causes you, uh, tr- consecration transforms yourself, your family, your community, and your world. Consecration is contagious. Yes. People enjoy when someone sticks to the standards. Amen? We're living in a world that's longing for people to be consecrated. Because without consecration, there's chaos. Yeah. Hallelujah. Go with me to Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. So an unconsecrated vessel is one that the devil uses. Mm. 
He's, the devil is the father of filth and perversion. He was the first one to be unclean. He was the first one to sin. And iniquity was found in his heart. All right, so Romans chapter 8, verse 29. Who are you conformed to? Romans 8, 29. It says this. For whom he did foreknow, he also did predestinate. God made plans ahead of time. That's what it means to predestinate. He, he designed you with a destiny before you were born. You've been predestinated. All right? To be what? Conformed to the image of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. We, are, we need to be conformed to the image of Jesus. How we behave, how we think, how we speak, how we act, how we treat others needs to be like Jesus. It needs to reflect Jesus. It needs to exemplify Jesus. He's the model. He's the pattern. Amen? And the Bible says we need to be conformed to his image. Hallelujah. All right, go to Romans 12. Romans 12. This is all part of consecration. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies. What kind of a sacrifice? A living sacrifice, not a dead sacrifice. Religion is dead, but a relationship with God is alive. Okay? So, by the mercies of God, present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service or your spiritual act of worship. Say, my body is an instrument of righteousness. I give my body to God. After all, he bought it anyway. You know, he bought you lock, stock, and barrel. You've been bought with a price. What price did he pay? Shedding the blood. He bought you with his blood. That's how valuable you are to him. Okay? Verse 2. And be not conformed to this world. Don't be like this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Only with a renewed mind can you prove God's perfect will. So in order to not be like the world, you've got to constantly look at God's information, which is the word of God, right? If you don't want to be like the world, then the better alternative is be like God. But to be like God, you've got to be, be renewed in, the, in your mind. And the only way to be renewed is to have new information, which is the truth. Amen? Amen. Jesus said, you are, you are sanctified by the truth, and my word is truth. Hallelujah. God's truth is a sanctifier. How many has ever gotten a sliver out of your finger? Right? And maybe you used a needle to get the sliver out. What do you do with the needle before you stick it in your finger? You put some heat on it. Why? Why? Because that gets the impurities out. That makes sure that you don't, you're not stabbing yourself with an infected needle. Right? You, you, you put some fire underneath it. And it purifies the tip of the needle. And then you're able to dig that out. Right? 
Hallelujah. Okay? Go to Philippians chapter 3. Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. Glory to God. God has consecrated us. He's consecrated this church. He's consecrated this building. He's consecrated this land. He's consecrated this people. Because the people are the church, right? This, this, this building, we call it the church, but it's where the church meets. Amen? It's where the church assembles. It's where the church learns. It's where the church grows. Amen? We're like a university of heaven. Hallelujah. There's a university of heaven right here in Palmyra. Where do you go? I go to Heaven's University. Really? Yeah. What's a university? It's where you learn a subject. Amen? We major in righteousness, holiness, being filled with the Holy Spirit. We, we major in healing, in salvation. Amen? And you can get a degree, but your graduation is out of this world. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. This is how we got to be, that I may know him. How many desire to know him? Not just to have a head knowledge, but to have an experiential knowledge. Amen? Listen, you can't just know God in your head. You've got to know him. You've got to know what he likes, know what he doesn't like. You've got to know what he's into, what he's not into. Amen? To know him is like a husband knowing a wife. That's what the knowledge is he's talking about. It's, it's an intimate, up-close and personal knowledge that I may know him... And the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made comfortable, conformable unto his death. You can't get a resurrection without going to a cross. You miss that. The cross comes before the resurrection. The suffering comes before the resurrection. That's why suffering is just temporary. Because when... When we have, whenever we're suffering, we know that there's a resurrection on the other side of our suffering. Amen? Instead of, instead of saying, why is this happening to me? Say, God, I thank you that there's a resurrection on the other side of this. I'm going to go through this and I'm going to get to my resurrection. Hallelujah. The Bible says about Jesus in Hebrews 12, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. God gave him joy to, and equipped him to endure the suffering. Because he knew the cross was momentary, but resurrection is forever. You got to know him. And if you want to know the power of his resurrection, you got to know the fellowship of his sufferings. What does a Christian suffer? Persecution? Criticism? Uh, loss of friends sometimes? Loss of things sometimes? But no, anytime you lose something, God will replace it with something better. Or he'll tell you to pursue it and, and recover all. Verse 11, and being made conformable to his death, if by any means I might attain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after if I... If that I may apprehend for that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing. Ever say one thing. You know, God doesn't put a heavy burden on us. One thing. 
right? One thing. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching for those things which are before. It's time that we forget some of the past, the bad past. Amen? And let's reach for something ahead. Let's reach for Christ. Let's reach for the prize. Let's reach for the kingdom. Amen? Verse 14, I press toward the mark for the prize. Listen, those who follow Christ, those who endure to the end, there is a prize waiting for you. There is a reward. God says uh, uh, he he rewards those who diligently seek him. Amen? Yeah, we're going to go through some things, but we keep seeking the Lord. No matter what comes up, no matter what we go through, we keep seeking the Lord. Hallelujah. I've got the Lord in my sights. And listen, the the temporary inconvenience can't compare to the glory that's going to come. Amen? Amen. This this light affliction, anything that you face on earth is a light affliction. It's temporary. It it, it has a limit of time. But we're we're going for something eternal. We're going for something forever. Amen? We're going for everlasting life. I press toward the mark for the prize. Of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let us therefore as many as be perfect be thus minded. And if anything be otherwise minded, God shall reveal this unto you. Hallelujah. We gotta be Christ minded. We gotta be God minded. Amen? We gotta be anointed minded. We've been anointed because we've been consecrated. We've been consecrated because we've been anointed. You've been anointed. Jesus Christ has anointed you. And he's, he has a divine purpose for you. And your purpose may or may not be your career. Because there's been many examples in the Bible where God called people to a different career. They started off doing one thing, but he had something else for them. Right? Okay, Peter, yeah, you, you're a fisherman, but I'm going to teach you how to fish for men. You're going to still use fishing skills, but you're going to catch something different. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, 1 Peter chapter 1. 1 Peter chapter 1. Everybody say, press on. If you're ironing a shirt and you come across another, another wrinkle, press on. Amen? Amen. And eventually you'll get all the wrinkles out. Keep applying the heat. Keep applying the steam. Amen? That's what the Holy Ghost does. He's the heat and the steam. And whenever he sees a wrinkle in our life, he applies the heat and the steam until he gets that wrinkle out. Because God wants us a a spotless, wrinkle-free church, a glorious church. He's coming back for a glorious church. One that looks fine. That's decked out in robes of righteousness and garments of praise. And that have put on Christ and put on the new man. Hallelujah. And that are walking in it and living in it. Righteousness does not just happen on Sundays and Wednesdays. Or Fridays. Righteousness is something that happens every day. Okay? It's God's standard that he calls. 1 Peter 1.13 Mm. Wherefore, 
Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober and hope to the end for the grace that is to be brought unto you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Woo! Come on, we got to sober up in our minds. We can't be drunk on the world. We can't be drunk on the negativity that's in the world. We can't be drunk on the lies that's in the world. Amen? We, we gotta be, we gotta be sober-minded. We gotta gird up, I didn't even know my mind had loins, but my, our mind's got some loins. Gird up the loins of your mind. Be sober. Listen, if you're gonna be intoxicated, be intoxicated with Christ. Cause there's no side effects. Alcohol has side effects. It makes you yawn in technicolor. Christ has no side effects. If you're going to be addicted, be addicted to Jesus. If you're going to smoke, smoke some holy smoke. Amen? Don't need no wacky weed. Hallelujah. For the end and for the grace that is to be brought unto you, there's a grace coming. This is part of being consecrated. It's living the way Jesus wants you. So what's the process of consecration? How many know there's a process? Number one, seek God daily. Number two, study his word continually and consistently. I heard a minister say one time, there's power in consistency. You know, when you do something good for 30 days, you know what you've done? You've established a habit. Some habits are good. Amen? Some habits aren't. Just as much as you've established a habit, you can break a bad habit. God can set you free from a bad habit. A bad habit brings bondage. A good habit brings freedom. Brushing teeth and bathing, that's a good habit. Amen? All right? Number three, the process of consecration. Seek God daily. Study his word continually and consistently. Number three, ask God to purify you expectantly. You know, there's a prayer that the psalmist prayed. If there's any unclean thing in me, Lord, tell me. Show me. Search my heart. You ever ask God to search your heart? People don't ask God to search your heart because they don't want the results. Because God knows you. God knows what's in your heart. No one else does, but God knows what's in your heart. Let him search your heart. Amen? Ask God to purify you expectantly. Listen, being pure is better than being not pure. If you're not pure, you're impure. Impurity harms you. But purity keeps you safe. Number four, embrace the changes that he commands willingly. You never heard the Apostle Paul said, man, I I miss persecuting that church. Once he became an apostle. Amen. Peter, 
Peter in Acts, you never read Peter in Acts. Man, I miss denying knowing the Lord. Never talks about it again. Embrace the changes that he commands willingly. When God says you to change, when God directs you to change something in your life, just say, yes, sir. Or just say, yes, Lord. Amen? Because he's doing that to help us. Because he's got, listen, football players make changes all the time. If they see the defense is going to blitz, the quarterback calls an audible, doesn't he? He, he steps up to the line. He looks. He sees uh, the defenders encroaching the line. He's like, okay, blah, blah, blah. He makes an audible. He, call, he makes an adjustment on the fly. That's how we need to live our life. Just make an adjustment. Listen, if you step in a mud puddle, just say, oops, I'm sorry. Wipe it off and go on. Amen? Don't be like a little piggy and wallow in the mud. Oh, I fell in the mud. Help, I've fallen and I can't get up. But that's what people do with sin. They think if they sinned or they made a mistake, it's the end of the world. No one's like this. Really? You're not the only one who's, who's done that. You're not that special. You're not the only one. Elijah was having a pity party saying, God, I'm the only one in Israel. No one's bowed their knee. Uh, excuse me, Elijah, there's 7,000 haven't bowed their knee to Baal. Oh, didn't know that. Because you're too busy having a pity party of thinking that you're the only one that's going through what you're going through. You're not the only one that's going through what you're going through. There are other people who have overcame what you're going through. Amen? And then finally, put his commands into practice diligently. We got to be diligent. Ooh. So, being a Christian means living, thinking, doing, and speaking like Christ. Hallelujah. The character of Jesus looks the same in any culture, in any language. (laughs) I remember when I was in Kenya, and we had a question and answer session. And some of the ministers were saying, uh, should they charge people when people ask them to pray for them? And we said, no, (laughs) you shouldn't do that. But that was their culture. But you know what? We have a new culture. It's the kingdom culture. And when our culture is wrong, we need to implement the kingdom culture, which is always right. The kingdom culture trumps our culture. Amen? Okay. So, in order to Look like God, we got to surrender. We got to look, act, think, and speak like Jesus. So I just want to give you some levels of surrender as the last thing I give you tonight. Oh, and the process of salvation. Let me give you the process of salvation, then I'll talk about the levels of surrender, then we'll close tonight, all right? The process of salvation, number one, he loves you. Say, God loves me. me. Say, he always has loved me. me. 
and he always will love me. Okay, number two, you recognize, believe, and receive his love. Amen? When you discover that God loves you, you just say, okay, Lord, I just receive your love. Right? You recognize, believe, and receive his love. And you confess him as Lord. This is the process of salvation. Believe in your heart, confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, and you shall be saved. That's what Romans uh, uh, 9 and 10 tells us. And then God sees you as his child. Say, I'm a child of God. Say, I'm a member of his household. And I'm a citizen in heaven. And you don't even need a passport. Because when you travel to heaven, it's, you don't need a plane. You don't need an airport. You just go, poof, you're there. Amen? Okay? Process of salvation. He welcomes you into his family. He wants you to grow up and be like him. Why? Because father knows best. Our father knows best. It's a privilege that we can be like Jesus. Amen? We can grow up to be like him. That's our goal. After all, we're made in whose, whose likeness are we made in? If we're made in his likeness, then we need to strive to be like him. Amen? All right? But he wants you to grow. Say, I need to grow. Yeah, you, you cannot be a baby Christian all your life. You got to grow. You got to get past milk to meat. Amen? You got to take on more responsibility. You got to be a stronger influence for others. All right? Um, he wants you to be able to help others. He will share his heart and secrets with you. Ooh. God says, Jesus told his disciples, I don't call you, I don't call you servants because the master doesn't tell what a servant is. I call you friends because I let you know what my father's doing. Amen. God calls us friends because he lets us know what God is doing. All right. And then finally, he will empower you, enable you, and educate you. That's the process of salvation. Glory to God. Aren't you glad to be saved? So how do we surrender to God? All right. Number one, your perspective changes. Uh, Second Corinthians chapter four, verse eight, verse 18. I'm sorry. Second Corinthians four, verse 18. While we look not at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen. Isn't that interesting? We're supposed to look at things which are not seen. We talked about all that a couple Wednesdays ago about entering into the supernatural, right? But the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are eternal. God's word is eternal, all right? So levels of surrender. Number one, your perspective changes. Number two, your thinking is transformed. We renew our minds. Okay? There are things that we we should surrender to God. We shouldn't surrender to sin. We shouldn't surrender to the devil. We shouldn't surrender to the world. But we should surrender to God. Number three, level of surrender. Prayer becomes very attractive and is ignited with passion. 
You abide in Christ and his words abide in you and you can ask whatsoever you will and it shall be done for you. Our prayers get ignited with passion. Fourth level of surrender, our priorities in prayer changes. We, we, don't, we focus on seeking God's face. Prayer becomes warfare instead of welfare. Welfare is, what can I have, Lord? Give me this, give me that. But our, our prayer goes from welfare to warfare. You, you, you see yourself as a prayer warrior. I can change circumstances with my prayer. I, I, can, I can touch my family with my prayer. Amen? We've got to see our prayers as powerful. But you can't do that unless you surrender. You move from being selfish to selfless and self-fulfilled. Your love for God grows and you want him to work in you and through you to fulfill his purposes instead of yours. Hallelujah. And just write this down, Philippians 3, verses 7 and 9. Number six, you become willing to stand up upon principles even if you stand alone. That's a level of surrender. As a believer, God encourages you to be alert on your guard, to stand firm in your faith, act like men, be courageous, and grow in strength. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, and Ephesians 6, 13. Hallelujah. Seventh level of surrender, you become more respectful of authority. You understand the authority of Jesus. Whatever he says, it happens. Understanding authority is the highest level of faith because when the centurion, he understood Jesus' authority, Jesus said, I've not seen so great faith in all Israel. It's the understanding of authority. Amen? If you're not submitting to God, then you're, you're attracting the devil. Number eight, level of surrender. Your attitude shows reverence for God and compassion for man. You cease to judge others. Oh, judge not lest you be judged. With the same judgment you're judging other people, God's going to judge you. Don't judge people. You can judge fruit. You can judge behaviors. That's wrong. That's right, right? But you can't judge a person because you don't know what their motive is. Why did he do that? I know why he did. No, you don't know why he did it. Because you don't know the heart. Only God knows the heart. When we start judging a motive, that's, that's crossing the line of judgment. All right? Write down uh, Romans 14, 4 and 10, verses 13 to 15. And then at ninth level of surrender, you love being with God's family and fellowship and gatherings. You can see others' needs and faults, but you can handle that and you make allowances for people. Oh, no man, anything but to love him. Romans 13 verses 8 to 10. Hallelujah. You love gathering with the family. Amen? That's a sign of surrender. People that don't love gathering with the family are not surrendered to God. And then number 10, you pray and meditate on God's word as a lifestyle. You have regularly scheduled personal devotion time with God. This is where you can go from glory to glory. How many want to go from glory to glory? From faith to faith. Amen? Amen? And write down uh, 2 Corinthians 3.18 and 2 Corinthians 4, 6 to 11. Hallelujah. See, to surrender means you, you give up 
and you're not relying on yourself anymore. Before you surrender, you know what you're doing? You're fighting God. You never win a fight with God. Right? Moses, God, God called to Moses. He was taking care of sheep, and he saw this bush on fire, but it wasn't being consumed. And he said, oh, I'm going to look at this. You know, God knows how to get your attention on the backside of the desert. And so he goes to the bush, and out of the bush he hears a voice. The voice says, take off your sandals because you're on holy ground. See, wherever God is, is holy. And so Moses took off his shoes as a sign of what? Submission. As a sign of honor and recognition. And uh, God begins to speak to Moses. And God says, I've heard my people's cry. I know what's going on, and I want you to go deliver them. And then Moses starts to fight with God. Oh, I can't do that, God, because I can't talk well. That's okay. I've made your mouth. God, I'm not a good speaker. That's okay. Your brother will speak for you. God, I can't do this. That's okay. You know, God answered every one of Moses' excuses. But Moses was fighting with God. Why? Because God started to get angry. You want some of this? You want some of this? You can't handle this. Right? Who won that fight? God did. Because who went to Egypt? Moses did. (laughs) You might as well just do what God said to do from the beginning. Instead of spending all that wasting time fighting God, just say, yes, Lord. Amen? Because if you fight against God, you're not going to win. Jonah, I want you to go to Nineveh. No, I'm going to go to Tarshish. Okay, get ready for a submarine ride. Gee, if you spend three days in a fish's belly and get spit out on the land, okay, I'm going to Nineveh. Just go to Nineveh in the first place. Don't fight against God. You can't win. Just go to God. Just go to Nineveh in the first place. Say yes, Lord, and do what he said at the beginning. But we want to fight God. God says, do this. I don't want to do this. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. You're not going to win that argument. You're going to lose. Just say, yes, Lord. Amen? What did, what did Jesus say to Paul? Why are you kicking against the pricks? Why are you persecuting me? Paul didn't know he was persecuting Jesus. But when you do it to the least of them, you do it unto him. Amen? God sends Israel to look out the promised land. And uh, Moses said, okay, go this way, look at this, bring back this report. Tell me what the land is like, tell me what the people are like, tell me what the city's like. Okay, for 40 days, they're there. And they come back. And 10 of them start fighting with God. They bring a negative report. The giants are too big. They, they, they eat us for lunch. How come they spent 40 days and they didn't have an encounter with a giant? But yet they're they're talking about how big the giant is. Think about that. They were there for 40 days and no giant harmed them. But yet they're talking about the giants are too big. But Joshua and Caleb, they said, God said we could take it. Let's go take it. They're bread for us. I'm going to have a giant. I'm going to have a giant sub tonight. I'm going to have a giant piece of 
pizza pie tonight. I'm going to put giants on the menu tonight. That's what Joshua and Caleb were saying. Right? They were well able to go in because God said, I'm giving you the land. They didn't need another excuse. If God said it, they knew that they were able to do it. But the ten fought with God. They brought that negative report. They brought that negative report. All they talked about was death, 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 dying, dying, dying. What happened? They all died. Because they couldn't get death out of their mind because it was always in their mouth. If you want to talk death, God will bring that to pass. Amen? So bottom line, you've been consecrated and set apart for God. And when God tells you to do something, don't fight against him. When God tells you to change something, don't say, don't give him reasons why you can't change. He already knows the reasons. And the very fact that he's telling you to change means he's giving you the power to do it. Amen? Because if you start fighting with God, you'll never win. Just accept what God says. Amen? Be swift to hear and slow to speak. And when God speaks, just let your yes be yes. Amen? Because God will never ask you to do anything that will harm you or hurt you. He's got a purpose in mind. He's got a plan that he's following. God is a master strategist. He knows you. He knows why he created you. He knows what gifts he put in you. He knows what abilities he's given you. Amen? And, and everything that you do, you've got to live a surrendered life. Amen? You've got to walk in surrender to God. I'm not fighting against God. I've surrendered to God. You've got to be willing and obedient to eat the good of the land. Amen? Hallelujah. Father, thank you for your Holy Spirit and how you've consecrated us and sanctified us with the washing of the regeneration of your word and spirit, Lord. Hallelujah. Oh, we give you thanks and praise. Stand to your feet and just give God praise for how clean you are, for the good things that he has in store for you, for the good things that he's given you. Oh, hallelujah. Begin to praise God. And if you've got any unwillingness in your heart with anything towards God, you got to get rid of it right now in the name of Jesus. How do you get rid of it? You let it go. You make a decision that you're not going to hold on to it anymore. You're not going to be unwilling, but you're going to be willing. Take the UN out of it and make it willing. <laughs> Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. we got to be conformed to his image and in his likeness. Amen. Jesus came and he was willing to die for us so that we could experience life. He wasn't ashamed to die. He wasn't afraid to die. He wasn't afraid to to be crucified or to go through that pain or that torment because he knew what the purpose was. He knew what it was going to do. It brought you and I closer to the Father. And he did it willingly. He didn't hold anything back. He put it all out there for God. Amen? Bam, we need to kick it up a notch. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. If you're experiencing in your life any kind of bondage, like uh, anything that would restrict you from making progress, you feel like there's a, uh, like you're running into a wall, 
or like you, you're feeling overwhelmed about life, if that's you, I want you to come up here right now in the name of Jesus. Don't be afraid or ashamed. God wants to help you. Amen? If anybody can propel you forward, it's God. He specializes in stomping walls.